My mother was born in 1922, two years after women won the right to vote. But she came of age in an era when women's place was still in the home. So it was my father's ambitions that brought my family to Alaska in 1965, when we drove up the Alcan in a Volkswagen van so he could join the science faculty at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. I was 10 years old and I looked up to my dad. He had a big office on campus and I was sure he had an important job. He traveled often, he worked in his office upstairs after dinner every night, and we hosted visiting dignitaries at our house. So I wanted to be a professor back then because professors were smart, wise, and respected. But also because my dad was the one who mattered most in our household. He was the captain of our ship. My memories of my mother back then were as our dutiful chauffeur driving us to swim team and gymnastics practice in the Fairbanks fog when it was thick as soup, quietly guarding the home front or entertaining my father's colleagues with, with feasts that my friends and I liked to raid. She was intelligent, sensitive, and generous, and I loved her dearly. But she was not the parent I wanted to be like when I grew up. Even at that young age, the gender hierarchy was obvious to me. Dad charted the course, and Mom catered to whatever course he set. And I knew where I wanted to fall in that power structure. In sixth grade, I ran for student body president at University Park Elementary School. My opponents were all boys, but with my all-girl campaign team, we won handily. It's been over 50 years, but I still remember the satisfaction of that time. And I still remember the conviction I made to myself, the commitment I made to myself, not to let gender be an obstacle in my life. Mother was not sure what to do with the self-assured daughter who wore her confidence so openly. Even then, I sensed a tension between us. Later, as I pursued higher education and a professional career, a well of grievance seemed to pool between us that kept us from sharing openly what we probably both wanted most, acceptance and approval, and at least occasional praise or gratitude. Usually our judgment lurked silently, like a mystery we couldn't unravel, but sometimes it made itself plain. When I called home from law school once to share good news, there was a pause on the end of the line, and then my mom said, still eaten out of a silver spoon. I took it as her way of reminding me that I enjoyed an unfair privilege, and that the gender that seemed to cost me so little had cost her a great deal. Once, out of the blue, she leaned over quietly and offered this. You know, your older sister has a higher IQ than you. I took it as her way of taking a jab at my choice of a legal career and of defending my sister's choice to have six children. They were fleeting comments and they weren't really of any consequence, but they stayed with me. And they nurtured a perception in my mind that to my mother, my independence in and of itself was seen as disrespect. My mother no doubt had her own collection of hurtful comments uttered by me, and if she were here telling a story today, she'd remember things very differently. But it made sense to me that my life choices must have felt to her like some kind of rebuke. She spent her 20s and 30s trying desperately to have children, worried that her time in uranium labs during World War II had affected her fertility. I spent my 20s and 30s dedicated to birth control, determined not to get pregnant, and I never did.
She was a proud hostess and a fabulous cook. I lived in a dry cabin during college with a hot plate, survived law school on takeout burritos, and was wise enough to marry a man who does the cooking. You're lucky he cooks, my mom once said, even if it always is the same thing. During my parents' 50th wedding anniversary celebration, I asked my mom her biggest regret. She didn't hesitate. Not getting my education, she said. For years, she had felt invisible in the academic world of my father because she had no college degree. In this small rural town where she grew up, folks would have questioned why she needed one. In contrast, I was encouraged to pursue undergraduate and graduate degrees, and no one questioned my motives or desires. For many years, we perched on either side of this canyon with no bridge to cross. And then my dad died. I took comfort at the time, feeling that I'd been a good daughter to him, that I'd said and done everything I needed to say and do. But I understood that I didn't feel that way about my mother and that we had unfinished business. So I invited her on a special trip between Mother's Day and my birthday, which fell in the same week. I was in my 50s and mom was in her 80s, but it was the first time we'd spent real time together with just the two of us. We started a tradition that lasted eight years. We chose beautiful places we could drive to and we pampered ourselves. Fine wine, nice dinners, visits to the spa. We took our last trip two months before she died. During the long drives, I had plenty of time to catch up on family history and learn things we'd never known about each other and many opportunities to ask mom flat out about the tension I'd always perceived between us. To ask her if she'd perceived it too to test my theories about why it existed, to lay in the open what had been unspoken between us. But as we passed through the rolling hills and green forests of the Pacific Northwest, walked along the pounding ocean or beside peaceful rivers, the issues seemed far away. As the, we enjoyed the luxury of unfettered time together, our grudges softened. Each year we seemed to accept each other more and more for who we were. Each year, the roiling culture war over women's roles and women's power seemed less and less relevant, and I wondered why it ever had been. One day, riding along, Mother was explaining to me why she hadn't done something in her life because she was a woman. I don't remember the details. It had something to do with my dad and whether or not he would have approved. So, of course, I challenged her, and I launched into my standard rah-rah speech about standing up for herself and not kowtowing to men. We argued back and forth familiarly in our well-worn grooves. Finally, almost laughing, I said, Mom, don't you believe men and women are equal? She stopped the car on the empty road, pulled over, slammed her hands on the steering wheel and turned to me. Of course I believe we're equal, she said, just not that equal. I started to say something when a little voice inside me said, stop, just stop. Why do you keep fighting this battle? Who cares? Your mom lives with her choices and you live with yours. Isn't that what freedom is all about? Ultimately, I said nothing and mom pulled back on the road. Today, as we celebrate the anniversary of suffrage and the amazing gains in women's rights, which have influenced my life tremendously, I wanna honor women like my mother, who saw doors that had been tightly closed to them fall open for their daughters. 
They spent the first half of their lives told what they couldn't and shouldn't do, and the second half feeling dismissed or diminished, sometimes even shamed, for not doing all the things they'd been told they couldn't and shouldn't do. They spent the first half of their lives adapting as best they could to the firm rules and restrictions on women imposed by a male-dominated culture, and the second half seeing those adaptations count for little. And of course, all the while, they're watching their modern daughters like me, who are clueless to what they've been through, demand equality as our birthright and reach for the stars. Looking back, I can see now how the transition must have been bittersweet, how it must have forced my mom to hide the mixed feelings in her heart. And I can see now that to survive such monumental change with grace and patience took a level of love and care that I never fully appreciated. Whatever our differences, at the essential times, my mother was always there for me, always supporting my dreams. To do that for a stubborn daughter like me, she had to be tough, extra tough. <laughs>